Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you all enjoyed the incredible weekend of hockey. This is Morning Cup of Hockey alongside Kobe Cohen. I'm Johnny Lazarus. We're going to talk about Showtime last night in Chicago. Patrick Kane's overtime winner. Some old school hockey over the weekend with Matt Rempe on the New York Rangers, bringing back a lot of fighting and a lot of aggression, maybe even in the NCAA. We saw some fights. Then we'll talk about Nikita Kucherov getting to 100 points at a ridiculous pace. And to wrap up the show, we're going to welcome on former NHL coach, current NHL network analyst, Bruce Boudreaux. So we got a lot going today, a lot of fun to be had. And uh, man, Colby, I think this is the most we've ever talked like over a weekend uh, without doing the show or whatever, right? I feel like I talked to you every day, multiple times throughout the day. Uh, our phone was, was nonstop all weekend, but how was your weekend? Well, listen, hockey was really good this weekend. I, I mean, it, it um, <clears throat> first off, obviously once the... <laughs> Once the NFL season is done and Sundays becomes, you know, a day that's up for grabs again, because we know how the NFL just dominates Sunday airwaves. It's, it's pretty great. I mean, even Saturday, you had all the, the, the national games Saturday, Sunday had the TNT double header. Um, and, and look this weekend, <clears throat> I would say for the first time, you saw a lot of games that had a real playoff feel to them, Johnny. The mm-hmm. the intensity, the physicality, the fighting. Um, you know, it really did have sort of a, a playoff vibe to it. And, you know, <clears throat> I want to read a tweet actually to start the show. I'm just gonna pull it up here real quick. And I and I know we're gonna really get into the to the Patrick Kane thing to start because how could you not? you know, unless you live under a rock, but this was a quote from John Cooper over the weekend that I thought kind of showed why we're inching into where we're inching into. And, you know, he's one of the top 20 winningest coaches in the NHL. Right. And and he said that he breaks the NHL down to three segments, game one through 20, determine what you are, set your foundation. If you will become a playoff team before us Thanksgiving. Okay. Games 21 to 60, routine, keep the train moving on the tracks, quiet and steady, and avoid as many fires as you can. And then game 60 to 82, turn up time. Put yourself in the best position possible leading into game one of the playoffs, increase intensity from practice to games, and ramp up the details on and off the ice, okay? So Tampa just hit game 60. A lot of teams just hit game 60. I listen when Coop speaks. Anything he says, I'm listening, okay? Because nobody has been better in these quadrants of the seasons than his team. Even in seasons they haven't been as good the first half, it does seem like that last little 20-plus game stretch, the Tampa Bay Lightning bring their best. And, And I think John Cooper has, you know, deserves the respect to listen to the weight of what he talks about. So. I think between that, Johnny, I think between the fact that, you know, I know we're going to talk about some NCAA stuff that happened this weekend when we get into the fighting discussion. Um, but even those games seemingly are, are getting a little bit more intense because you're heading into playoff season. So, uh, it, you know, buckle in because we, we've got 22 games left. There's a shitload of things that need to be sorted out. Um, and, and I think teams are coming into the trade deadline, figuring what they need to add. I, I, I'm not going to lie with how close and open things seem to be and how like teams that separate and then fall backwards seem to keep happening. Pretty much everybody. Um, This could be a wild last 20 plus games of the year. I mean, if, if anything, you know, I watched that Tampa Bay devils game yesterday and the devils are a team that should be going all in. Right. Because the East is wide open. Like we talked about. And that was a team that didn't even show up in the third period yesterday. Like there was no urgency, no desperation. And we talk about a team that finished second in the Metropolitan Division yesterday. And here we are around game 60 talking about if they should just be sellers at the deadline. And, you know, now we're, we wanted to start with Cam, but I feel like now my mind is kind of going into this devil's thing. I don't know. Do you want to talk about it a little bit right now off the bat? Go ahead. Talk about it. I know you're, you're all wound up about the articles. Well, there, there were a couple articles this morning, Ryan Novozinski and James Nichols, both basically just, you know, let out hit pieces on Lindy Ruff. They're saying it's time to fire Lindy Ruff and even, you know, asking where Tom Fitzgerald is as a GM and what the right or wrong thing to do is. And Kobe, what I'm curious in asking you is, are we now at a certain point where it's too late to fire a coach or 
you know, the fact that we haven't passed the trade deadline yet, it's kind of still in that time frame where you can turn things around, you know, with a little bit over 20 games left. Well, look, I, I think that's always circumstantial based on if there's somebody out there that you really want and you think fits your group. If the Devils were to identify Craig Berube or or Bruce Boudreaux, for that yeah. matter, who we're having yeah. on the show here in, in you know, about 25 minutes. He's um, probably in Jersey right now. <laughs> so, yeah, because he was doing NHL Network yeah. last night. Now, if, if there's somebody out there that you identify, then it's never too late. It really isn't. Um, you also have Travis Green on the bench who, who has NHL head coaching experience. Um, maybe you think it gives the team a little bit of a jolt. Um, and you know you're going to maybe go out and try to get a goaltender because whether they get a goaltender now or not, they still need one for next mm -hmm. year. Um, I doubt they're going into next year with Nico Dawes and Schmidt and you know whoever else they've kind of rotated through this year. Um, I'll be honest, I don't. The Devils have not been a fun team to watch, so when they're not on national television, I don't see them that much. Yeah, they, they I mean, their, their power play is at a ten percent over their last twenty it's, games. Listen, they they've been you know they they haven't been a good team all year. They haven't been the exciting team that we watched last year, where you're like, oh, I want to watch the Devils play tonight. What are the Devils going to do tonight? What are the Hughes? You know, what's Hughes going to do tonight? So. I don't, I don't subscribe to one size fits all. It's too late. It's not too late. <clears throat> it I is mean, they're five points back of the Philadelphia Flyers right now for third in the Met and they have a game in hand. It's not right. far fetched for them. No, it's, it's not far fetched, but I mean, look, it's, it's also, you know, the Flyers have been a better team all year. I mean, what's, what's to say that's going to change now. I mean, I know the Flyers lost both their games this weekend. That Rangers game was awesome. awesome. They really probably deserve to at least get a point. They're a better team. Game. Yeah, they're a um, better team. And then like the game against Pittsburgh, I mean, Cal Peterson basically just told the, the NHL and his team, like, you can't play me because I don't know if you saw that game <laughs> at all. I mean, yeah. he, he was, I mean, that was as bad of a performance by a goalie in the NHL that I think I've seen this year. For Cal Peterson. I mean, that's just reality. I, I don't mean to pick on the guy, but if you watch that game, those goals just cannot happen. I mean, that that's really bad time and time again. I mean, there was probably five of the seven were, were shots that he's got to make saves on. So, and the Penguins are so bad that the Flyers still had a chance to win that game. Oh, I, the Flyers <laughs> kept coming back, making that seven six. So, I mean, look, I, again, the Flyers haven't had connect me, but I think they've been the better team. I'll, I'll stay with the fact that I think the Flyers will make the playoffs. Um, I really do. So it's it's going to be tough for the Devils because I'm not counting against Tampa. Hell no. Detroit with an incredibly emotional win last night, which we'll, we'll, we'll get to. They're playing good. They're playing good hockey. I mean, yesterday was a little bit of a shit show. The fact that they even let that game get to overtime, but that was an emotional game. Kane coming back. Um, you know, they had the, the ceremony retiring, um, Chris Chelios's Jersey before the game. So you've got the zoo that comes with that whole situation. And look, it's starting to look like Steve Iserman, you know, the, the Iser plan is, is working and, you know, Patrick Kane, man, I mean, they bring him in, he's doing well off the hop, the team struggles, then they start to do well at the same time. Um, then he gets injured. He misses what four four weeks, whatever it was, about about a month. And man, he comes back, and boy, does he look like Patrick Kane of old right now? I mean, he is just a couple of goals the other night, the game winner in overtime last night. I mean, Kane Johnny looks. <clears throat> I, I'm not surprised by this, by the way. Like I foresee, Patrick Kane is still talented enough to be a point a game player in the NHL. I mean, 80 plus points on a good hockey team. Kane, that that's what Kane's going to get you. And uh, like, if I'm, if I'm Detroit, I'm getting that guy an extension right now. I am not letting him get through this season into free agency without a contract because somebody could come and offer him a huge deal. They could based yeah, on gonna, what he's going to end done. up in Boston next year. He's going to be every, every original six team before his career. I, I totally disagree <laughs> with that. I know you're that, kidding. That, that was a joke. Yeah, I know you are, but uh, only because he doesn't fit the way Jim Montgomery wants to play. Jim Montgomery wants over speed, fast hockey Full joke. I know I'm just, <laughs> but, but you're not the only person who said that a lot of people yeah. have said that seriously, but let's go to the United center from last night. Well, look at 88. I mean, it's like <laughs> pond hockey, Johnny, this looks like the yeah. creator game. 
I was I was laughing the whole time just because you see Kane already start to turn north and go up the ice before Detroit even has possession of that puck. You know he wants that goal. I was giving him shit this morning for not really back checking and watching that three on two develop. But in that moment, how could you not cherry pick for this goal, right? And in, in perfect Kane fashion, he goes high glove side, does the showtime Sally right to the Chicago fans. And I had you some buddies me? that were in the crowd last He's night. He's mouthing showtime. And they were cheering for him last night. As, and I as said on have. our show last week on Thursday, if he scored, the United Center would go to their feet. You can see all the fans up on their feet cheering for that goal. And look, Ken Daniels, the play-by-play guy for Detroit, I want to give him some love here too. He absolutely nailed that call. I mean, uh, you know, I know that the game was on NHL Network, so you were forced to watch the the you know the NBC Chicago feed. Um, you know, at least you got Panger on there to, to keep you entertained. Panger obviously is, is a guy that everybody loves to listen to, but if you have a chance, go find a video of this on social media and listen to Ken Daniels, who's the broadcaster, longtime broadcaster for the Detroit Red Wings, because man, that is poetry. That was so good. I was even like said to, to my wife, I'm like, listen to how good this call is. Like, I just have such an appreciation for those guys who can nail those big moments. And that was such a big moment. Um, and, and Kane delivered, uh, Ken Daniels delivered, but you know, who didn't deliver in my opinion, Johnny, do you know who didn't deliver the NHL? They okay. did not deliver. I was going to say Bedard, but I actually thought he no, no, I, I'm not. Listen, Bedard's 18. No, I know. Old, yeah, you know, yeah. Listen, he, he, you know what? He had a good game. He had a point. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he was, he was probably all juiced up in front of 21,000. You know, he threw the hit on Kane. I saw Kane's yeah. quote after the game. That was pretty that was funny. Um, yeah. there'll be future teammates one day. I think I really do think that, but anyways, here's why the NHL let us down yesterday and you don't have to chime in. Cause I know you don't want to say anything about the no, Saturday too. Saturday too. I had to like find a stream yesterday for that game. I could have Saturday and Sunday. We have two, t- two games that are our big, big games. Okay. And, um, Saturday Leafs versus apps, you know, you're talking about so many star players. Okay. Why is that not a national television game? Why is that put, on NHL network, which a lot of people, which I didn't realize this, I get NHL network with my Comcast package, but a lot of people don't get NHL I network. Don't. You I don't, don't even have NHL network. Yeah. So a lot of people couldn't watch that game. When games are on ESPN plus everybody out of market can get them. Cause at this point, if you're a hockey fan, chances are you have NHL plus. Okay. Because you can watch every game from every team out of market. Now, if you're just a casual hometown fan, that's one thing, but most people have like a, that bundle where you get, you know, ESPN plus Hulu, Disney, whatever, you know what I mean? So that, that is great. You can pick which broadcast you want home or away. If you like one set of announcers and you don't like, I mean, it's, it really is great. I, I yeah, really I do it. like ESPN plus, and that's not because I work for ESPN. I, 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 I like the product, especially I don't, I don't necessarily um, like the exclusives, but I like the, the the regular games where you can choose who you get to listen to. I think that's super powerful. But how do you not have Leafs abs on on national TV somewhere? And then you've got Patrick Kane, the biggest one of the biggest stars, the best American born of all time. Okay, currently playing on a Sunday back in Chicago against or, you know, for the Detroit Red Wings, original six matchup. Like there's so many boxes that this checks Connor Bedard. Okay. No NFL. How is this not a game that is more widely available to people? It goes to overtime. Kane gets the breakaway. You couldn't have written this up any more dramatic. And honestly, I bet you most people saw a highlight on Twitter. They didn't even get to see the game. So, you know, the NHL's inability to flex and to, you know, be nimble with their broadcast, it's got to be better. It really does. And the NFL does it. They flex games out of the 4 p.m. into Sunday night. 
you know, and, and look, I'm not going to pretend to fully understand the, the, the TV deals and how that all works. And I know it would cost more money to change the schedule and change travel and all that. I do know, you know, a little bit about that having, you know, worked in this industry, but just two huge misses in my opinion to not have those games more available to people because not enough people have the NHL network, Johnny, and you're, you're a good example of that. So it was um, also hockey day in America and TNT had the devils and lightning game over the Blackhawks and Red Wings original six game. And knowingly in advance too, it was also Chris Chelios's Jersey retirement night. So something that was cool too, which would have been nice to hear was like a, maybe a Patrick Kane pregame interview with a packed barn for warm up because that ceremony was before the game started. So the place was filled for warmups. And then obviously you missed the opportunity to talk to him like on the bench after the game. Like, you know, one of those, uh, you know, Emily Kaplan postgame interviews, which, which I love. She did a great job with Matt Rempe over the weekend. It would have been amazing to hear her talk or to Patrick Kane. Or if it was on, on TNT and you game. put him and you yeah. put him with the panel. Back here or, you know, the panel, Just, like anyone. I mean, it's Kaner never smiles. And like after the game, he was smiling. I mean, Kaner's mm-hmm. usually so serious when he deals with the media. And so he never shows the media any bit of his personality. He hasn't for years, ever since, you know, he, he had... Um, you know, stuff going on in Chicago, we'll call it. And it was just a great opportunity with a great finish that a lot of people unfortunately had to miss um, because they just, you know, they, they, they didn't flex. They got to flex. These networks got to get their shit together and start flexing games and, and making changes and making decisions. And you're right. Look, Chris Chelios, you know, the guy played 3 million games in the NHL. He played for 3 million years he he he's friends with every celebrity from New York City to LA. You know, I saw a picture last night of Kid Rock and Jeremy Roenick together in the atrium at the United Center. Um, you know, the the one thing I'll say, the, the Blackhawks aren't afraid to spend money, you know, on stuff like that. And mm-hmm. and it looks like they went all out for that jersey retirement. I was there in the building working the game when they did the Hosa jersey retirement. And while Hosa, you know, obviously is, is a little more people, you know, he's a little more recent, you know, look, Ch- Chelios is, is, you know, basically a living. That's kind of wild that Hosa had his Jersey retired before Chelios. Yeah. You know? I, I heard there was some sort of deal cut with that whole situation of come, you know, let us trade you or let us move your, your money to, um, to, I think it was the Phoenix coyotes. They got it rid of his money and we'll retire your Jersey. Like I, Cause he had no, no trade, no move. And even though he was out, he, he, so he had to okay that. Um, so that's, that's just what I heard. I have no idea if yeah. that's true or not. Um, but, but also I, I love that Chelios in his speech was like, don't go stealing my thunder Kaner. And then Kaner scores the overtime winner. And I, I actually got tricked. I thought, uh, there was a real Mo cider Twitter account and a Twitter that has Mo cider's name in it looks pretty legit tweeted like 88 didn't listen. And I thought it was the real Mo cider, but, yeah. Well, he made a it. comment like, hey, you'll end up back here in the end, yeah. just like you should. Obviously, Chris Chelios went to Detroit, won cups <laughs> in Detroit. Um, you know, so so obviously there it's it, you you could see some similarities. Um, maybe Kane gets another cup. I don't think Detroit's a cup team this year, um, but maybe next year, maybe the year after. Like I just think Patrick Kane has a lot of good hockey left in him. I really do. Um he's 36, right? No, he wouldn't be 36. He'd be closer to like 30. I'd say he's 35 um, because he's <laughs> well, but 36 and 35 are different. Johnny, what well, you made it seem like it was going to be a huge difference. Well, I'm thinking because he's, he's, you know, he's an 88 birth year, right? He's an 88 birth year, but he's a very young 88 birth year because he was with the 89 draft class. You know, he's drafted with the 89s. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, he would probably have just turned 35. So he'll be 35 next season, you know, he'll, he'll play in start next season as a 35 year old, but Mm -hmm. listen, I think he could, he could play till he's 38. I mean, he probably wants to play till he's 40. He loves the game as much as anybody I've ever seen or been around. I played with Kaner. Um, and then I worked in Chicago for two years while he was there and I was between the benches and got to watch it firsthand. He is as beloved in the city of Chicago as I've ever seen an athlete really anywhere. I mean, honestly, like he, he's that beloved in that city. I think it's well-deserved. Um, you know, Chicago is his home. I, I think I know for a fact, he bought a big old house there when his career is over. That's where he's going in the summer. That's where he's going. 
Uh, that's where his, his, you know, uh, significant other is from the mother of his, his child. Maybe he's got two by now. I'm not really sure uh, at this point, but it was a great night. It, it really was. It was, it was a great finish. Um, and listen, man, when the lights are on, we can always count on showtime to be showtime. Yeah. And, you know, I think we've done a pretty good job here talking about Patrick Kane over the last 10 minutes or so, but I know we have a lot to get into before we welcome on Bruce Boudreaux. We got to talk about Matt Rempe and just this old school hockey feel that not only he's brought to the Rangers, but he's bringing it around the league because it seems like right now, every team the Rangers play, they have a guy on the other side that, you know, either wants to fight him or he's going to go after. So uh, I had a misinterpretation last night. Matthew Olivier skated up to Matt Rempe to check on him and see if he was feeling okay from the fight against Delorier, who's a heavyweight in the NHL. And then uh, what you're going to say something. Well, I mean, we, we have the tweet and a quote from him, um, you know, which is our tweet of the night. So let's just show the tweet because you're paraphrasing and you're not really doing the best job of it. um, (laughs) If, if I'm being honest and and the tweet. So what Johnny's referring to is, is he put out a tweet basically saying that, Rempe shouldn't have to fight every night and guys are going over to him in warmups, challenging him. Um, fake news, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Um, because what really transpired was, was that Olivier went over to Rempe and I told him great tilt. And I hope you're doing all right because that was a tough one. And then he said, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, I'm good. Um, and then first shift Rempe went over to Olivier and asked him to go. So nobody challenged him. He just came over to basically do what everybody else in hockey has done and appreciate the old school nature, uh, appreciate the fight with Nick Delorier, which was one of the greater, you know, greatest fights that I've seen all season in a long while. Two guys squaring up, um, not a lot of, you know, jersey grab slash like, you know, protecting oneself. It was just hold with the left, throw with the right. And just hammer, 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 hammer. Um, you know, I, I mean, this was great. Uh, Delorier held his own against a guy who's a hell of a lot bigger than he is. Rempe held his own who against a guy who's got a hell of a lot more NHL fights than he does. But this this happens three minutes into the hockey game, Johnny. And, and I, to me, this completely set the tone for what felt like a playoff game between the Flyers and the Rangers. And then Matt Rempe ends up scoring the game winning goal too. So, you know, give the kid some credit as much as he's fighting. He's also contributing last night. He makes a huge play against Columbus too. You think he's going to be a 50 goal scorer, don't you? Shut up. up. No, but uh, I did jokingly say he could be a a 100 fight player in a year. Um, That was a joke. Love that number 100. That That was a joke, but you know, what are your thoughts on this? Because, you know, this is a young kid coming into the NHL. He's, obviously feeding off of this energy and feeling a ton of momentum. And, you know, there are times where I think he shouldn't have to feel necessary to accept every fight. This one he chose, but he's now, and people are saying it's been three official fights in five games, but people aren't counting when he fought Jonas Siegenthaler briefly against the devils after he threw that huge hit on Nathan Bastion. So to me, it's been four fights in five games. And I don't think a young kid should feel like he has to do that. It doesn't seem sustainable to me, but again, like, if that's what he wants to do, what what do we do here? What are we talking about here, Colby? What are your thoughts on that? If if it's kind of his decision to go after guys or or ask guys to go rather. Yeah. Like my question to you would be like, why, why do you feel like it's your job to police him and say what you think he should and shouldn't do? I'm not saying it's my job. I'm saying as far as his career and his sustainability, can he keep this going? Because to me, at some point, it's just going to end up getting him hurt. No fighting we'll every see. game. I mean, he's not going to fight every game. You come into the Four NHL, right? But I'm just saying, he's played five games. Okay, we're, we're we're sixty percent into the NHL. We're 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 sixty games into the NHL, right? Like, so he hasn't fought sixty times in sixty games. He came into the league. He wants to make a statement. Okay, he wants to show people this is my skill set. This is what I bring to the table. He wants to do it with a punch. You know, the the Devils thing was off of a little bit of a dirty hit. Okay, yeah. when you throw dirty hits, you're going to answer for them. Okay, mm-hmm. and look. So you thought you thought that was a dirty hit. You know what? I, I didn't like the fact that 
Um, who did he hit? Oh, Bastion. 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 Yeah, like I didn't like the fact that he was leaned over for an extended period of time. You know, it's not like he turtles in at the last second and then Rempy hits him. Yeah. I thought that there was enough time there where you didn't have to do it. But at the end of the day, this is a fourth line guy who's got to finish his checks to stay in the lineup. He's got to play physical. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a penalty you'll take. Um, you know, it is, it is what it is. It's part of his game. It's part of his style. And at the end of the day, man, listen, um, guys want to play. Guys will do anything to get in. You know, sometimes you got to fight a little bit early and then you settle into to learning time and place. Um, so at the end of the day, the only thing that I'm going to say for him in, in specifically, you know, good for him. This is what he wants to do. This is how he wants to make his mark. Fighting is a part of the NHL. Look at how that fight against Delorier set the tone for one of the better games that I've seen all season, a two to one game that had you on the edge of your seat for 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. It didn't need to be eight, seven or six, five because the intensity was, was that of a playoff game. Um, so I have zero problem with what Rempy's doing at the end of the day. It's his decision. Um, all the people out there that are being super negative about it. And they're, they're talking about concussions and CT and this and that. Listen, I, you, you're, you, you want to sit behind your computer. You want to sit behind with your pen as a, as a writer, whatever the case may be. And you want to dictate things that you have no idea about. Okay. You have no idea about if Matt Rempe wants to drop his gloves and fight, he's going to do it just like UFC fighters. They decide they want to get in the octagon, take a chance at making millions and millions of dollars. And they they understand the risks that come with it. And those are things that they're signing up for and they're deciding. And guess what? He lost that one against Olivia yesterday. He's going to want him back on Wednesday night because these two teams play again Wednesday night at Madison Square Garden, and he's not going to just shy away from it. Yeah. I think. Listen, this fight Olivier, was unreal. Olivier is a tough customer, man. Yeah. He is. And and you're right. He he took it to Rempy mm -hmm. here. He really did. Um, hard, hard to have two big emotional fights like that back to back. I think it takes a lot out of you. Um, but Olivier, you know, put it, put him down. But look, Olivier didn't go up to him and challenge him on the first shift. He didn't do it. He probably had the mentality of like, look, because, you know, fighters, they have a code for the most yeah. part, especially the heavyweights. And he probably felt like, you know what? I'm going to give this kid an opportunity to get into the game. Maybe if it needs to happen, it'll happen. Maybe not. You know what I mean? But that, that was Rempe because he wants to set the tone for his team um, he'll have to learn. There are times to drag your team in. There are times where you don't need that type of thing. You know, I, I'm not, go ahead. No, no, no. I was, just, I was going to transition. So finish your thought. I'm not advocating to see three fights a night in hockey yeah. that those days are done, right? They are, but don't take it out of the game. It needs to stay in the game. It's a part of it, um, for many reasons. And it's always telling as we, we, we talk about, you know, fight that fight in the NCAA um, or, or maybe we'll wait because I think, you know, we've got Bruce who, who's ready to jump in here and we can even ask him about it. But yeah. um, the reality is, is per usual, we see all the people who have never played the game on one side of it and all the people who play the game or played the game on the other side of it. Well, maybe we should listen to the people who actually played the game. That, that's just a thought when it comes to these types of hot button topics. Well, do you want to show the clip of the NCAA fight? Because that was something like I've never well, let's, seen before. Let's 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 have uh, let's bring Bruce in here on the show and and let you know I I will ask him if he saw it and get his opinion. No, nobody better to ask than him. All right. Well, we're welcoming on now someone who's coached over a thousand games in the NHL and NHL Network analyst Bruce Brudrow. It's an honor to have you on here. Uh, really happy that you're joining us this morning. So thank you uh, ahead of time for your time. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. I just caught the tail end of it and just assumed you were talking about some sort of fighting. Yep. <laughs> we, we, we certainly were. We were talking about Matt Rempe and his couple of fights. There was also a big fight, you know, which you rarely ever see in the NCAA. I don't, I don't know how much you keep your eye on that stuff, uh, Bruce, but you know, just that the, the age old debate of, of do, does it belong in the game? Does it belong in the sport? This was from an ASU versus Alaska game over the weekend uh, division one hockey game out in Alaska. Um, and you can just see the energy that it's, you know, the, the benches are up, the crowd is up. 
Um, now, granted, you should never leave the penalty box. I, I don't condone that. I don't think that's the kind of stuff we need to have pl- in hockey anymore. But you can fight in juniors and you can fight in pro. So I'm like, what? What? Why? Why do we take it out of the game for a few years in college? Well, people get mad at college too. You know, like I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> you can hit a guy the wrong way and and tick a guy off in college, junior, pro. Listen, we were watching, I was watching a video a couple of weeks ago of uh, uh, a whole bunch of 11-year-olds going at it. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I was laughing, cause, but they were throwing. They were throwing yeah. hard. And uh, Like, I don't think you're ever going to, that's the one thing about hockey, you're never going to take it completely out of the game. And But I think they've done so much to curb it. There's hardly ever, uh, it's nowhere near what it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And then beyond that, it was, it was, it was really crazy. But, uh, um, this weekend, obviously Rempe, if he had played in Arizona, probably wouldn't have got the, 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 the attention that it got. But, uh, I mean, the, the fight with Delorier was unbelievable. So every other tough guy in the league is looking to, Hey, can I fight this, this young guy right away? And, like I think sometimes you can't win them all, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, like he took a took a licking a little bit in Columbus, but man, I'll bet you became a folk hero in in New York over the weekend. Oh man, the Rangers play at home on Wednesday night against Columbus again, and if I'm Peter Laviolette, I'm starting Matt Rempe. The ovation he's going to get from the fans that night when they announce his name, I think you got to kind of play into this while it's happening, right? Well, you know, I mean, yeah, if I was Peter, and I'm sure he did. Like, I mean, go over and he says, Hey, you know, you, we can't, you know, you're big and strong and everybody's going to look to, to fight you because you're new. So, but you don't have to fight everybody. And I mean, he's done enough of it in the first week, but I will bet you the New York fans will be clamoring for a fight on Wednesday <laughs> night. And, uh, oh, yeah. uh, the anticipation, I, I bet you the sales and, and, the the, uh, go up and everything is, um, it's really wound up in the garden before the game and you'll, you'll be able to watch, watch the tapes on uh warm up, and everybody will be following those two guys again <laughs> to see if they have a little chat at center ice type thing. But uh, uh, like I said, like, I mean, you can't fight every day. I mean, uh, uh, I remember um, there was a referee, a, a really great referee in the NHL, about 25 years ago named Paul Stewart, but he was also a player um, from Boston. And uh, the the first time he got traded back to Boston, and he was a tough guy, Paul. He fought Wentz, John Wensink, Terry O'Reilly, and Stan Jonathan, uh, like from the old Bruins, all in one game. And it was the biggest moment of his life. But, I mean, uh, uh, according to him. But, I mean, that stuff <laughs> happens. But hockey, like, you never see – more than one fight going on at a time. You don't see the two and three, uh, the line brawls that you used to have even 10 years ago. So, I mean, Gary Bettman's done a great job in cutting it right down, but you're never going to completely take it out of the game. It's one thing that, uh, I mean, you can make rules, uh, but the emotions get up in hockey and there's a lot of physical contact and, and there's a lot of talk that goes on on the ice that we don't know about. And, and tempers flare. Well, I think you you do know about it because you've been as a player, you you've been in this game. I mean, you you've you've been in this game for a very long time, obviously. And so it it is great to hear you say that because it just always feels like the people that have been in it and closest to it feel one way and the people who have never really truly been in it feel a completely different way and you know, I I kind of bang my head off the wall with a lot of different subjects and topics like that, Bruce. But I'm just curious, did did you ever have a guy on one of your teams that you had to have that conversation with? Like you said, the one Peter probably will have to have with Matt Rempe if he hasn't. And and how hard or difficult are those conversations? Because a lot of those guys, this is how they feel like it's their way to stay in the league and play and, and make an impact for their teams. Yeah, but I mean, and every one of them, and yeah, had many conversations with the, every team has at least one guy that's a pretty physical player. I mean, I played with uh, a player, I don't know how good your memories are, uh, played with a guy that played in the Islanders for a lot of years named Mick Vakoda. Yeah. And uh, uh, when he was in the minors with me, he fought in 22 straight games. 
and he was my winger. I had to tell him. I said, Mick, <laughs> you've got to slow down here, man. Like, I mean, I know you've already got the record, but I mean, and I know you want to make it, but let's let's work on the skills. But every you get it every time I played. Uh, listen, George Peros was a rookie coming right from Princeton to me, and I had to tell him, George, I know you want to prove yourself, but you don't have to do it every night. I've had so many of those guys that have done the done the same thing. Um, and they don't. But, I mean, they know what their job is and how they stay in the league. But Rempe doesn't. He's already – he's gained this rem- reputation already. Like, I mean, he just has to go out there and play a little bit now and, and prove that he can stay in the league and, and work on his skills because everybody knows he can fight because he picked on two tough dudes this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it was – Definitely unbelievable entertainment. And when you talk about Vercota, I actually skated with his son uh, for, for many summers. I'm a Long Island boy. He still lives out on Long Island. So I've gotten to know him a little bit. But Bruce, I'm really curious about something that's also happened over the weekend, not fighting, but the way coaches have handled the media. There's a lot of different narratives that are sometimes created from the media that can spin something, you know, for a team like right now. We're seeing it happen this morning with New Jersey. There's been articles about. Lindy Ruff. And obviously he had that quote about the excess pressure coming from media about their power play. But in your position with teams you've coached, when their team's struggling, is there a strategy to how you go about the media or is it sometimes just pure emotion? Because right now, you know, there's a lot happening with multiple teams in the NHL when it comes to that. Well, I mean, you know what, uh, as a coach, you go about your business, you know, like, I mean, you hopefully it's just white noise and what you're hearing uh media as a tendency writers i mean and i know a lot of them obviously but i mean there's some that make stuff up because they think this is what the narrative should be and then they put it out there and it's it's really bothersome i mean uh there's a lot of a lot of uh media guys out there that sort of um i'd say like the uh, the boss of the team, he he'll give him whether it's the owner or not. He gives him little scoops so he doesn't say bad things about the team <laughs> type thing. And 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 you know and, and they throw they throw uh, uh, fire uh, onto the onto the scene a little bit. But I mean, uh, listen, uh, we all know I think that if New Jersey's goaltending wasn't at an 880 or an 870 clip that they wouldn't be having this conversation. It's not the coaching. I mean, Lindy Ruff has proven over 20. I mean, he's been in the business over 25 years of how great a coach he is. So, I mean, uh, um, sorry. Um, my thing is a little off. There we are. Uh, the, the, when you're holding it in, in the air with the, with the, your phone, it's uh, <laughs> a workout. Yeah. You need a tripod uh, or something. Yeah, I do. But I mean, I'm in the caucus right now, ready to, you know, going on the air. So I didn't bring my computer or anything up with me. But uh, uh, everybody knows how good a coach is uh, with Lindy is now. Last year, they started saying fire Lindy and then he goes on a tear and then it's, you know, they give him a standing ovation at the end. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's fickle. I don't like it when um, uh, reporters guess because it always um catches steam and somebody else picks it up that doesn't know the situation and they write about it and they write about it and and listen these coaches uh they have lives and they have families and and it's tough on them and and nobody wants to win more than lindy ruff i'm telling you right now i mean he's gotten very very close to the to the holy grail and and didn't get it but uh uh, so i mean and he was an assistant for three or four years in the in the with the Rangers. He finally got back to being the head coach, was which is where he belongs. And so, I mean, those kind of things bother me a little bit. Yeah, and and you know what, Bruce, I took a little bit of a different approach to this Lindy Ruff quotes and comments where he said the media is putting pressure on our power play, and then a lot of people kind of jumped all over him for that. And I actually took a little bit of a different thought process, and I said, you know what. I think Lindy Ruff said that to take the 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 spotlight off the power play and put it on himself because I, I, that was just my opinion because I just think what we don't realize is someone like Lindy Ruff is 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 pretty smart. You don't last in this job for for as long as he has and as well liked as he is without being a smart individual and knowing how to manipulate whether it's your roster, the media, whatever. And and I just thought. I didn't think it was that ridiculous of a comment as everybody else did because I thought he did it 
for a reason. Now we're talking about Lindy. We're not talking about the power play anymore. That has been dreadful, just to be fair. So I I thought he did that for that reason. And, and, And I think that's probably where Johnny was getting out with asking you if there's a strategy on how to deal with these well, things. You know, you know what? You're you're very well right. I never thought of it uh, from that angle right away. But coaches have a tendency to want to taking the pressure off the players and putting it on themselves. And uh, I think we've all done it at one point. And uh, I'm sure uh, I'm not sure about anything right now, but I'm sure that uh, that would be something that Lindy could possibly do. Well, one thing I got to ask you sort of on that note, and Kobe's going to give me shit for this because I am putting my Rangers hat on a little bit. I grew up in a big New York Rangers fan. So I was in high school for that 2011 series when you said, I think prior to game four that you couldn't even hear the fans at Madison square garden and the Rangers go up three, nothing. And they let you hear it at Madison square garden chanting. Can you hear us? And then you guys come back from down three Oh when four, three in overtime, I got to ask you just being behind that bench, getting the fans going and then kind of, you know, getting the last laugh. What is that like from, from, your well, position? you know, first of all, it was a great memory. I'm glad somebody remembers it, but, uh, <laughs> um, I was on a, on a Washington radio station and they were asking me, Hey, you, you, you coach the caps, uh, whose fans are better. Okay. And what am I supposed to say? <laughs> like, I mean, Oh, the Ranger fans are much better than the Capitol fans. No, I said, you know what I'm supposed to say? The Capitol fans were louder than the Ranger fans. And so knowing New York people uh, like I do, they took that to heart because it was on the back page of the post the next day, <laughs> like in big red letters. And it also said, because uh, I had said something about Madison Square Garden, they were going through the renovations at that at that point in time. But and we got down three nothing, and it was like I felt like Dennis Potvin was in the arena again. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was it, it when we tied it up. There was never a better feeling when Jason Chamara uh, scored that uh, double overtime goal. I think uh, uh, when we came back and, and tied it up, so it was a pretty cool moment. But you have to love the passion of the Ranger fans. I think I, I fell in love with them. Uh, that moment when they were just screaming, screaming it like, can you hear us? And can you hear us? I'm going, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We're just getting are... there though for a second. Like, Oh no, what did I just do to myself? <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't even think they would know I was just doing it in Washington, but I mean, uh, and we didn't have the, the social media that we have today. So I was just thinking, well, I'm just telling the local radio station that, uh, our fans are better than their fans. Just like if they had asked which team is better, I would yeah. have said the Caps at that moment. Yeah, no, that's uh, you got to You got to You got to listen. That's your team. That's where you're all in. If 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 anybody, you know, we've seen this out of you your whole career uh, from afar as a player. You know, you've always been all in everywhere you've gone, and that's why you know for me one of the one of the last things I want to talk about with you, Bruce, is 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 Hershey and. You know, I, I live in Villanova, PA, uh, you know, a little bit outside of Philly. I, yep. I'm well familiar, you know, not just with the American League team that, you know, we played against the Hershey Bears when I was in Providence, you know, time and time again. But going back to my my youth hockey days, playing against their their young teams, taking part in their Quebec team all these oh, yeah. years ago. Um, oh, were you, know, you now, on the Hershey? Were you on the Hershey Quebec team? A hundred years ago, it seems like. Um, wow. Was and, Doug Ging still the man? He was around and I remember him and, and you know, the, I've skated in the old, you know, Hershey Park building. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys have done anything to it now, but I know you're deeply involved with that program. And I always hear really good things about the work that you've done out there in Hershey and the commitment that you've made to that program and that community. So you know, how did, is that just from when you coached there and you fell in love with it or how does all that come about? Well, pretty well. I mean, when I coached there in 2006 and then when I got um, brought up to the caps, I just kept the place that I, I just finished buying. And because it was so close and just moved back there in the summer. And then when I went to Anaheim, I kept the place uh, because I didn't want to live in California in the summer. And so, I mean, and then when I got let go in Minnesota, I thought, you know, where do we want to live? And it seemed like it was sort of local. Like, I mean, I had 
my kids are all over the place, but I mean, uh, uh, we, we loved it there so much. We went there, we started a junior program. Um, <clears throat> now we're going to have two junior teams there and we play it in the old barn, which is, is fabulous. Amazing. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, it seems like I have, uh, most of my friends there. So, I mean, and you know, we're starting to get involved in, uh, me and my wife and, son in in the minor hockey organizations there so and we still go to the bears game so i mean it's uh it's a it's a fabulous community and if you've you've been to hershey you just the they're sold out every night so i mean it's every great, night very similar to providence i mean i hated going to providence just because <laughs> they always had good teams but i mean uh, uh it was uh it's 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 a really great town i'm glad i'm there yeah, that's uh that's great. I like I said, I'm not far from there, so we we hear about it. Um, I'm slowly inserting myself. You know, we just my wife and family and I just moved back from Chicago because that's where I was doing TV the last couple of years for them. And now that I'm back in this Philly area, Bruce, we've start I've started to sort of insert myself and do some stuff with youth hockey. So I'm kind of getting up to speed on it all around here. But cool. I, I got one last question for you. And this has been something Johnny and I have been arguing and fighting and yelling and screaming at each other over. And he's brought the whole Rangers fan base down on me. I've got the support <laughs> of every other fan base around the NHL, but we've been going at it about Alexi Lafreniere on this show now for, for the last couple of episodes. And while I have said, I think this kid has really developed this is the first time in his career he looks like a top six player. Um, Johnny has bet me that he sees Alexis Lafreniere. We never made a bet. Yes, we did. We, he bet me, and we have receipts to prove it, that he sees Alexis Lafreniere as a 100-point type of player in the NHL. Me, personally, I'm like, I could see him being a 30-goal, 40-assist type of guy, grow into that. You know, this is a guy who's got 39 points career high, 300 games or so into his <laughs> NHL career. Do you think he's, he's a hundred point player in the NHL? I mean, am I crazy here? Go easy on me, Bruce, please. <laughs> well, I think he's a good player. And I think, uh, I mean, if you look at in past history, Guy Lafleur didn't take off till his third year, fourth year in the NHL, but he's not Guy Lafleur. And uh, I think he's going to be a really good player. I just don't see wingers unless your name is Kucherov. Um, getting that kind of points you look at all the players that get 100 points i mean uh when i'm thinking this year i mean you've got uh you've got mckinnon you'll get the mcdavids you'll get dry sidles you'll get Pedersen, you'll get miller they're all centermen and those are the guys that get 100 points uh uh plus that's why that's why kucherov is such a special player Austin Matthews, you know, these are the, the, the centers are, are the guys when you play wing, a lot of times you're sort of limited like Pasternak as great as he is, you know, I mean, uh, if he gets a hundred points and he's the best winger in the league, I would think that the uh, pure winger that, uh, it, you know, it's going to be a great season. I don't know. It, I think if he was to get, um, 75 80 points uh i think that would be classified a tremendous uh get for him but he certainly i think now that he's established himself as a top six that i mean he and playing with the guys he's playing with is 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 capable of getting those kind of numbers i mean uh it was unfortunate last year because he wasn't he was playing in a top six even last year until they traded for Tarasenko and Kane. Then all of a sudden you get bumped down a little bit and it does a little something to your ego a little sometimes. And he's not getting first power play time too, but it seems like Bruce kind of sides with me a little bit more than you there, Colby. No. I'm not going to. I didn't not throw even. it to the hundred. I said <laughs> so I like I was sort of in the middle, right? Trying to. <laughs> Either one of you guys mad at me. <laughs> you're being you're being kind. You're being kind. But uh, we do have a couple more for you. I just want to thank you again for your time. But something I'm curious about, and I've actually, you know, I, I do cover the Rangers. Um, so I have asked Pierre Laviolette this question. But I think that every coach and every team and every situation is a little bit different. But with your experience behind the bench, do the fans ever somewhat dictate maybe your decision making at any point? Like when you know a guy is maybe 
you know, one goal away from a big milestone or having a big game, or there's, you know, maybe let's say Patrick Kane returning to his hometown uh, team, like something like that along those lines. Is there ever a moment where the fans, whether you're home or away, can affect a coach's decision-making? I don't really think so. Maybe at the start of the game, you start them. You know, yeah, you start a guy that's traded uh, and you go against his old team and you play it. If there's an empty net situation and it's and it's a two-goal empty net thing uh, and a guy's got two goals, you might put him on. Uh, but it depends on where you are in the schedule or in the standings and everything. But I can't remember me going out of my way um, to do something like that just for the player if it was if it was something you wouldn't do to win a game now if you're winning by a lot you know i mean you do things you you play guys a little bit more like for an example two years ago um jt miller had 98 points going into the last game he got a point early like i just kept double shifting him (laughs) because uh i mean we were we were out of the playoffs it's the last game of the year and to do everything uh, to try to score that, um, uh, get that hundredth point, and he didn't get it that night. But those are the things that coaches will do, I think. Uh, uh, but I don't think they'll do anything. Winning is always the most important thing, and you, we never lose sight of that. And I got to ask you one more, just because you coached Alexander Ovechkin for a long time, but I know deep down you're a big Toronto Maple Leafs fan. So when it comes down to it, at the end of the day. Who are you rooting for to have the all-time goals record, Alexander Ovechkin or Austin Matthews? Well, it's going to take Austin another eight years or nine years to, to maybe 10 years to break it. I mean, because when you get older, you're supposed to get slower. That's what Alex is doing right now. But, I mean, uh, um, as as a Toronto boy, playing for the Leafs, sort of have to be a Leaf fan. Um, but, Our producer uh, loves this, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, As a as a guy that coached Alex uh, in his prime for five years, I mean, uh, uh, and got to know the man personally, you really want to see him, uh, you know, do well and and hopefully break the record. I know Wayne wants it. Wayne's a good friend of mine too. So, I mean, I'm going to look at him. Maybe they can all stop at 891 or something <laughs> like that and nobody break it. <laughs> Just want everyone to win, but. Uh, Bruce, we really appreciate your time this morning and it's been a lot of fun watching you on NHL network and, uh, definitely hope to see you back in the league someday. If, if you still want to coach, um, but. Oh, I would like to, I wouldn't say no. If anybody asked me, just putting it out there. <laughs> All right. Well, there, <laughs> well, there you go. We got it. Yeah. We got it. We got to clip that. We got to make sure we, we get it sent around. Um, but, but yeah, great talking to you. It, it, it has been, uh, you know, when, when you talk on NHL network, hockey fans should, should, Make sure they're they're not looking at their cell phones. They should listen because you've been around the game forever. You, you've done it at every level. You know you weren't handed a red carpet and said, "Here's an NHL bench." You you had to play your way through, coach your way through. So it's great talking to you here this morning. Thanks for your time, Bruce. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it, guys. You continue to have a great show. Okay, I have right. one favor though before you go, Bruce. Okay. <laughs> Next time you're around the Hershey Bears, Chase Prisky is one of my best friends. Can you please give him a hug for me? I'll do that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. Have a good one. Thanks, Bruce. All right. What an awesome guy. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. I had to yes. throw in the Prince shout out. He'd be pissed at me if I didn't. <laughs> but we do have uh, a lot of hockey on tonight. I know we're kind of wrapping up the show here. We have four games, Ottawa versus Washington, New York Islanders. Wait, are we not going to at least touch on the fact that how he answered the Lafreniere question? Or are you I just going to back it right in the middle for us? He didn't pick us no. up. No. The reality is, is he said 75, 80 points ceiling. All right. Do you want to talk about this? That's not a hundred. How are you going to be in denial? We just had a thousand plus game head coach. I'm dying on this hill. You know that, but I don't want you you to die. Johnny, stop making bets where you die. Can you be honest though? Can you be honest, please? With all of our listeners, when Alexi Lafreniere scored that second goal against Jersey, was there a small part of you that was like, ah, fuck, here we go. I laughed. I was laughing. Oh, yeah. Dude, I was the, in the press box fucking best, crying listen, laughing. The best part of it is, is I don't dislike the Rangers. I no, like, I, I was loving when Kane just went like there me. last year. Okay. <laughs> I just think that this take is insane. I think that this guy's a good hockey player. Uh, your whole fan base is like coming for me. Like told you, yeah. told you 16 <laughs> goals is not a told you. Let me fucking tell you. It's not told you.
Okay. So, rallying him up. This, this, I mean, listen, if he gets 45 points this year and then maybe next year he goes to 60, maybe after that it's 70. And then he, he makes seven and a half million, eight million dollars a year as a 70 point guy in the NHL, 25 or 30 goals a year, which again, like I think is a lot for him based on what we've seen. It, you know, but listen, you heard what Bruce said. We don't have to keep going at it about him, about this, but you heard what he said. Okay. The, the, yeah. Like, okay. All right. Yeah, so it's, games, it's all hypothetical pre, pre, previewing games tonight. Okay. Ottawa, Washington. I know you're going to put another clown tweet out there tonight. Like you did over the weekend about Ottawa's only 17 points back with four games in hand. It can happen. I mean, I'm waiting for that one tonight. Well, actually, I have, I have a question about that. Um, honestly, if if we can, quick, I know oh. Brady, like Ryan Whitney, tweeted about Brady Kachuk's name being thrown out there. What what do you that. make of that? What do you Dude, make of that? Let me just say what the rule should be in the NHL: Don't trade a Kachuk. It's yeah. never going oh. to work out oh, yeah. for you. Never trade a Kachuk. Okay, like never trade a Kachuk. I don't care if you could get Celebrini in the first overall pick this year for Kachuk. I still wouldn't trade Kachuk. I seriously wouldn't do it. And I think the world of Macklin Celebrini don't Mm -hmm. trade a Kachuk horrible decision-making if that were to happen. Okay. And, and, you know, look, the Chiglets guys, when, when they're, when the rumor boys come out, it generally comes more true than it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, It really does. So. I mean, you cannot trade Matthew or I mean, Brady, Brady Kachuk. Yeah. We already see what happens when you trade Matthew Kachuk, what he did for that franchise. Now the other one's in a rebuild. So don't trade a Kachuk. Um, but props to Shane Pinto, who, I mean, that kid's been awesome since he's been yeah. back. He, he's a guy you'll go, you go watch play hockey. Like it's, it's clearly he's an infectious part of that team and they will be better next year when they have him a playoff team eh, we'll see what they do in the off season at the deadline, but they'll be better with him it, with eight for 82 games. Well, they also really do. I like, and listen, I'm, I'm just saying this to say it. I don't, I don't truly believe Ottawa is going to make the playoffs. Let's be real here. I did before the season started, but right now they actually are five games back of Tampa. Who's the second wild card spot. And they're 16 points back, but those five games in hand, a lot of games. Yeah, but Johnny, you're talking about one team that knows how to dial it up for the playoffs. No, I know, I know, one team but... that is clueless about the playoffs. So yeah. it's not happening. It's not happening. They're not making a push. But I don't, don't think create, it's impossible. Don't don't let's let's just not let's not create a dumb narrative. They're not making a push. You can rebet all of your organs next year on the Ottawa Senators. Okay. Don't die on that yeah. hill. You've got too many hills. You're dying. I just on said right I don't now. think they're making the playoffs. Too like many hills. So Couple other games tonight, Johnny. New mm-hmm. York and Dallas, the Islanders. Yep. Um, the you Islanders did the show last night. We talked about the Islanders. I did. I did talk a little bit about the Islanders, but I was also honest about that. It's like the Islanders haven't given me a hell of a lot of reason to watch them as of late. I mean, there's always a lot of games on. You pick and choose which teams are entertaining. I watched them play that Stadium Series game, which they blew, um, which I was happy about. <laughs> based on, you know, their, their, uh, their, their outfit decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're going to, they got to look in the mirror. They really do. Ownership probably has to look in the mirror and make some hard decisions on the Island. But here's a couple of games later in the evening, Johnny, um, that are pretty important games, right? The LA Kings and the Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton looks like shit right now. Dude, like ass. the way that they are turning the puck over and mismanaging the puck is, is, really bad. I mean, like they just are, are in some trouble right now with the way that they're playing on um, home ice too. their last couple of games. They've you have at. to wonder like what's Ken Holland sitting there thinking. I mean, it, cause he's got to do something. This team is, is sputtering right now. I think it was Calvin Pickard and net against Minnesota, but I watched that game and I think the Oilers outshot Minnesota like 24 to four in the third period in, in what was a tie game. And they ended up losing like four two. Yeah, they ended up losing. Well, I think one was an empty net, but they allowed two goals on like three shots. Yeah, two goals on three shots against in in the third period that they totally dominated. 
it, it's no different than we talked about Cal Peterson with the Flyers to start the show. Like you yeah. can't have you you need a guy who you can't have goalies letting in bad goals this time of year. You just can't. You you'll never be successful. Yeah. Um, and then Boston, Seattle, man, Boston is in a is is in a bad way right now. They're blowing leads, um, seven leads in the third period this season. They games they haven't won now. <clears throat> three, three, and four in their last ten. So they're getting they're getting points, but they're not playing great hockey. And five and straight overtime games. They're they're not playing great hockey. I don't think Don Sweeney's going out and making a big a big splash at the deadline. I really don't. You don't think so. I, mean, I, I thought you were talking about it last week though, where their goaltending is so elite that why not? There is, there is, and it's never go, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> Holy it's, voice crack! It's it, their goaltending. They've got the best tandem in the NHL. Their goalies are not going anywhere. They're not trading Allmark. But the reality is, is look look what they did this off season. They had no space. Okay. And they went out and made a bunch of $1 million signings. Listen, if they're smart, they'll give Van Reensdijk a two or three year deal and lock him up. You know, nothing crazy, but they need some cap space and they need to probably make some additions. But I think those are more off season additions. Like I just don't think overpaying right now, they have very little in their prospect pool. They don't have a ton of capital. Uh, draft capital. I, I just think they, they, they're they probably not doing anything crazy. They may add depth, but I just don't think they're going to do anything big. I just don't think guys are playing well enough where it makes sense. I really don't. It doesn't mean they can't compete in the playoffs, but I just, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't think it's the year for them to, to, to do anything crazy big. When I saw Witt tweet about Brady Kachuk, the first thing I thought of was Boston should just get rid of every prospect, every draft pick, everything they, don't they have. have they don't have it. enough no, prospects. I, I, I know, but that was my first thought. That was my first thought because he would be just the perfect Boston Bruin. No? I mean, they, they would have to give up. I, I mean... Everything. It, <laughs> I, I, it's like, who who on Boston's roster would you take from the NHL roster? Would you even take in a package? Um, you're not giving up pasta. You're not no. giving up Marshawn. You're not like giving Patra. up McAvoy. Patra. Okay, but like that's not getting yeah, it done. Brusque. That's not uh, getting it done. Yeah, I know. Like Lindholm, I'd I'd walk away from Lindholm, Lindholm, but I don't think he's played well this year, so I don't think his value's super high right now. So I don't think you want to trade him when his value's at a lowest. Um, mm. they'd want Swayman. I wouldn't give up Swayman. No, I'd give up Olmark. If you could package Olmark and DeBrusque and Grizzly, but Ottawa wouldn't make that. No, train. never, never. That, never like never, that's never. like insane. You'd yeah. you'd have to. I honestly, I don't think the Bruins even have a, a competitive enough package unless they said, "All right, like we'll give you David Pasternak one for one." But but who's well, that'd be that? stupid too. Yeah, he's no, doing no. that. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. it's he's not. I don't. I don't foresee that happening. I really don't. It'd be awesome be great to have him in an American big, big American market an original six. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that's happening. Yeah. No, me, I, I was just saying that's like where my brain went. Was he's like, also the cat. He's also the captain of that yeah. team. I mean, captain's get traded though. We've seen it. Yeah, no, I, I understand. But I mean, he's, he's a franchise captain. Yeah. Like he really is. He's a guy you want, you want there for 15 years. All right. So which game for you is the game to watch tonight out of those four? Um, I mean, I think probably LA Edmonton, I'd say. I mean, I think Dallas, Dallas Islanders will be a good game. Like Dallas has been Dallas all year. The Islanders need They don't get enough love though. Dallas does not get enough love. For me included, I don't give them enough love. I'm still not not a huge, huge believer, which is probably unfair. Um I mean they played that game in Carolina on what? On Friday night or Saturday night. Kind of kind of a boring game, but a a good two to one win on the road for them. Probably um, those two games, I would say, will will be the games. Um, you know that that uh, would 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 pique my interest this evening. Mm-hmm. I'll probably about you? Edmonton. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch Edmonton for sure. I, I don't see myself really giving a lot of attention to the Islanders Dallas game. Um, but like you said, I think the Islanders. We'll keep right an eye now, on it. Yeah, of course. But I, I I just don't see. I think I said three weeks ago that I think they'd find their way in the playoffs, but now I just, I don't see when well, Washington sniffing still like we, we, we completely don't even talk about them, but they're sniffing around them all year. The fly, the flyers have lost two in a row. Um, and Washington's won a couple, you know, so 
they're sniffing still like they're still in it. That's why I think this last 20 games is going to be unusually good because there's so many teams with actual belief, which is Mm -hmm. why I think the trade deadline could be iffy this year. Yeah, I hope not, but it could be. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's for sure. Any final thoughts before we wrap up today's show? Yeah, I'm just so happy. Bruce Boudreaux agreed with me. That was probably my favorite part of the show. We kind of jumped over a little bit, but we are going to start doing like a tweet of the night, whether it's something that we think is like the funniest, the smartest, the, the best, dumbest. the worst, the dumbest. So uh, if I think right now our, our hashtag that we're going with is road, but we got to like maybe type it out. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure out a hashtag throughout the week, I guess, as we get going here. We were, we but, were thinking the hashtag could be road to 100 in honor of uh, Johnny's super yeah favorite player in the NHL, Alexis Lafreniere. But we do, we do want to hear from you. Cause like Johnny said, we're going to feature a tweet every day on the show. Um, it's going to be, we want your, your voices to be heard too. So it's going to be sponsored um, by Tim Hortons. Is it? Yeah. So yep. maybe we'll get them involved with, with some stuff. You never know. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start doing that every show. And, and I think that's all we got today, Johnny. Yeah. Fun show today. Thanks again to Bruce Boudreaux. Uh, we didn't really great. get anything. Yeah, we didn't get to the chat today. I don't know if something was going on with the chat, but um, why there was nothing in it. Jeremiah wrote something, but there was nothing else going on in the chat. But but uh, yeah, I don't know what was going on with the chat today. Usually, it's pretty live. Today it wasn't. We'll have to find out how Jeremiah's trip to. uh, Oh, Vic says we have a ton in the chat. Maybe I'm not seeing anything on on YouTube here. So maybe maybe you got locked out. But we got to find out from Jeremiah how Miami was. You know the. uh, The, the the great Alaskan ventured across the United States to uh, to uh, Miami Beach. Maybe he hitched a ride in one of the spy balloons that have been flying over the United States, but we'll have to ask him. <laughs> and tomorrow we got Frank Sarabelli joining us like he does every Tuesday. And uh, we'll have a, a fun rest of the week here, you know, as the hockey continues to ramp up toward toward the playoff push. And then we're in March here. You know, Friday is, is March 1. I mean, we are, uh, you know, we're getting there. So gonna be a lot of fun but thanks to everyone in the chat that i wasn't able to see on my end today uh thanks to bruce for thanks to our producer vic and we'll talk to you all tomorrow have a great day